All right. So five, four, three, three two, two, one. one. Uh, slightly off, but I think that'll be okay. Welcome to WTF is Web3, where we untangle the uncertainties of Web3 technologies. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information, giveaways, and ways to stay in touch. You're also going to want to make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast, our YouTube channel, and our private group so you don't miss out on exclusive content, freebies, and much more. So this is it. So we're finally uh, getting around to it. I'm going to have to remember to look at this camera, even though I'm going to feel like looking down at the screen. Uh, this is the first episode kind of an episode prologue to prelude to uh heavy meta heavy meta we're working on it dead air dead air dead so air. so what is heavy meta john let's let's introduce uh, let's let's introduce heavy meta first um the way i would describe it is it came about organically it was just our conversations we're always talking about all sorts of crypto, NFT, DAO, DeFi, what other buzzwords do we talk about? Web3, uh, FinTech, yeah, any of these things. And we're, uh, we basically felt like, you know, other people would be able to, we're trying to discover and learn and digest and form our own opinions and game plans for this stuff, how it's going to impact our lives, where there's potential opportunities, and some of it's just plain interesting so we're always talking about it and we felt like it would probably benefit some people to record what we're learning what we know what our perspectives are and um you know this is not financial advice and that covers all of the uh this is my attorney that covers all of the podcasts we do in the future even if we don't mention that and now yes. i guess and, and, and take it from there so i think it'll be good for us just to go down talk a little bit about who we are You've mentioned some of the reasons why we want to get into this, and they're good. And I think we'll get into those as this sort of spreads out and we get a little more into this conversation. But I guess I'll get started. So I'm John. Casey and I have been friends for quite a bit, and we do have a lot of conversations going on about Web3, going around business, going around tech. And that's probably why we jumped into this. But um, so I'm John. Dead air. That was bad. I'm Casey. Dead air. That was bad. Uh, so I'm just stumbling right now. I'll, I'll cut this. Probably not because it's embarrassing for you. But if it, if it was something that I was doing that was embarrassing, I would definitely edit it out. Um, right. I, I guess we should mention at some point, why not now? This is being recorded not only through video, but obviously, obviously for, for audio as well. So if you're catching this on the podcast, great. We welcome that you, uh, we welcome you to subscribe here, follow us here. But also make sure you find our YouTube channel, and we're going to try to be on. We're going to try to be everywhere. Um, so there are going to be some episodes that I've already got planned out, and I'm sure John has some as well in mind that would benefit from the visual aid. You being able to not only see our lovely faces, but also screen shares and, and whatever else. Um, John's background. Let's start getting into that. From my opinion, I'll give you my opinion. He can add to it if he's not, um, you know, too busy blushing. He is 
one of my, if not my most intelligent friend. Um, he's got an, an amazing perspective. And what I think I value most about John's perspective is that it's often contrary to mine. It's like by default, I feel like even if there was something that we started the conversation agreeing on, it's almost like he would default to taking juxtaposition, even if he didn't believe in it, just to challenge me. So while it does frustrate me sometimes, um, it does you know, lead me to some different perspectives. And I think that's very beneficial. He's a very educated man. He's a double masters, magna cum laude, uh, black belt in finance. Uh, what, what, what are your credentials? Let's go through all that. Cause you, you went to school for, uh, 39 years, which is really interesting. Cause you're only like 36. I like this. I like that. We should just give each other's bio. Because it's, it's kind of boring to give yourself the bio. It's better to get the other's takeaway. But uh, yeah. I'll, I'll continue. So after, after kicking major ass academically with those double majors and the black belt in whatever, and he'll, he'll correct me, it's like finance and uh, some other real estate and, and some other magical stuff. I forget it was so long ago. He then went to the world's number one, the, the entire world, like the, you know, the thing under your feet, that, all of it, number one business school in the whole world on the entire planet and actually the 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 known universe really uh the london business school i always remember lbs not london school of business because i just think it's funny that they got lbs like bullshit i don't know i don't know that's how i i remember it so lbs london business school located actually in london ironically that was a really convenient name uh he also while he was there doing a bunch of other impressive stuff and like I remember all the uh, super big brains uh, you were talking about going to school with and like there was like fighter pilots and all sorts of really accomplished people. You were also kicking ass on rugby all over the the continent of Europe. Man, we're and, going deep here. And then you decided to go into, he's like, a master's and a double major is not enough. I need more education. And he's like, surprised me with, I'm going to go to law school at one of the most prestigious law schools in the entire country. And I think if it's prestigious in this country, it's default prestigious in the entire world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that, Casey. Um, I, I, I think basically we are just normal people in this, but uh, as far as my background goes, I, I am a finance person to begin with. So I, I went to undergrad Got the finance degree, came out, uh, basically started investing right then. That was a Great Depression, Great Recession time, 2008. And so that's really when I started investing and getting exposed to some of the markets. Oh, yeah. You've got a a Series 7, a Series 24, a Series 63. Am I making up numbers? No, you're actually, (laughs) that's pretty spot on, Casey. I'm impressed. It's like 15 years ago, though. So those are all inactive. But I did start in private wealth management, got my start there. Uh, went into some operations. I went to business school, focused on strategy, did some finance, some strategy work after that, real estate, then went back to law school. And I'm actually wrapping up right now. So I'm in the, the last couple months of law school here at University of Virginia. Uh, spent some time with the SEC in an externship. And this is, this is kind of just a fun side project, I guess. Like this is just something interesting. We're, we're learning as we go. It's, it's a new world. As far as Web3, which is kind of what we're going to be talking about a bit, this is a pretty infant stage. 
This started within the last 10 years, really. And I think you have these these segments of people that got in at different times. Some got in super early. Some got in right around 2013. I think Casey and I got in that next wave, which was 2017. And we were really excited about it. We just dove head in. Things kind of cooled the market and the cycles of things sort of ebbed and flowed. And then right now where we are, we're looking at this through this like lens of life that we've experienced and, and where we are now with our knowledge. And we're just diving in even more. So this is kind of us learning out loud. There's, there's, a, there's a bunch of people that do this. Um, there's a bunch of experts. There's people that are involved in the technology behind this. But we're none of those. <laughs> right? I, I like the learning out loud. I, maybe we're going to switch the podcast name. We're going to put like a little working title in parentheses next to heavy meta. No, I do, I do like heavy meta. I, I got some cool ideas for logos and stuff like that. I like that. heavy meta. I like heavy, heavy meta. Good. It's great because like especially in reference to the metaverse, which is like, it, it's, it's intangible. So there is no weight to it. We're being kind of ironic and that it's just, it can go so many different ways and it's not restricted. And that was another buzzword we forgot to mention is metaverse stuff. Cause that is, that is hand in glove with the, and I don't know the difference between hand and glove and hand in hand, but it's both of those with cryptocurrency, uh, DeFi, Web3, all of that jazz. And um, just to, to go over my background a, a little bit, because John kind of just completely forgot I was here. Well, I, I'm waiting for you to give me the cue now so that I can jump in and describe you. So I'm just going to run with this. Casey, yeah. let me talk a little bit about Casey. Casey is probably very similar to how he described me. Very intelligent man. He comes from uh, a, a background that encompassed so much. I know he likes to consider himself a polymath, which is interesting that he would sort of self-declare himself as such, but it's true. People are saying that, people people say that. Yeah, yeah, so so many people. So he likes to just dive into topics and it never ceases to amaze me, the depth of these random topics that he can just spew facts on. We were just having a discussion offline about uh, astrophysics. Because he is a he's an advocate, believe it or not, of, of the topic, and he, he's a I am. guy. I'm, I'm pro astrophysics. He's a big fan. Yeah, he he does not want to see it go anywhere, and he's a guy that would just jump into a topic, really engulf as much knowledge as he can, and really synthesize it pretty well. I think that's probably one of the most impressive parts about Casey is how he can walk away with a, a pretty cogent idea of a topic and spell it out pretty well. And so we'll have a lot of conversations about some of these topics. And as of late, it's gotten really, really, really deep down this Web3, Meta, DeFi world. And as we're learning, we're sort of talking to each other. We're coming up with cool ideas. Some of them are just general knowledge out of our curiosity. Some of them are business ideas. Some of them are investing ideas. Casey is a serial entrepreneur. When he sees an idea, he likes to just jump in and see what he can do with it. I mean, he's, he's definitely a guy that likes to do something. And so he had a meal plan business that he spent a lot of time on that he launched. It was incredibly successful. What were you, the, the highest rated meal plan? Uh, easily Florida's highest rated meal plan. And from all of the states that I've looked at, we are the highest rated nationwide. It's been some time since I've looked at that. So I'll just stick with Florida's highest rated meal prep company, which I'm extremely proud of. Excellent. Then, so 
Florida's highest rated meal plan. And before that, he, he saw a need for um, a, a law, law connection community. He, he just sees businesses' ideas, knows how to reach out to people, is a really good networker, really good communicator, great at building relationships, and just, just sort of draws people to him that they can sort of start these things. Yeah, what, was, I, what were those things you did before the that, meal plan? That was a uh, nationwide network of attorneys that uh, we operated in 48 states, literally grew that project from, I would say from one person being me, but in the beginning, I technically had a business partner who like a month or two into it, he was a trust fund baby and he just decided he didn't like the whole showing up to work thing. So very early on, it became just one and uh, grew that to 40 something employees, um, had a lot of fun in that, uh, did a lot of software development projects in that, innovated and uh, kind of created software that didn't exist back then and uh, like made some Frankenstein software out of some open source stuff and a whole bunch of mess, but it was basically uh, yeah, a, a law network. And then I saw another opportunity in another business, tried to kind of straddle both. And uh, the new business was the meal prep business. It, demanded a lot more time than I originally anticipated. I didn't think it was going to be as successful as it was, I think. So I ended up having to leave the, the law network for uh, the meal prep business. And then a bunch of other little things before that. Uh, John and I come from different perspectives where I don't have anywhere near as much of a resume in academia. I'm kind of like shoot from the hip kind of making stuff up as I go kind of perspective, which I, I, I see in a lot of, a lot of what we do. Like I got into uh, crypto trading, I believe is in 2016. So maybe I'm a little bit earlier than you, but like I would do trading based on TA, just looking at charts. Whereas John is the type of dude who will research something very thoroughly and not just jump into it haphazardly like I do. And uh, he, so he'll do like the fundamentals on it. Whereas I just look at charts and I go like, oh, I think it's going to do this because of that. John actually, I would say probably has surpassed me in, in investment success just because of the long shots I like to take. But uh, it, it is a good perspective. Yeah. You know? what, what's interesting about that too is, and we will get into that as our conversations progress a little bit, because some of Web3 is crypto, is investing. Some of it is just innovation. Some of it is uh, governance, some of it is art, some of it is community building. So there's a lot of aspects to it. But you and I both got started in this through that sort of investment lens. And it's so funny because early on, at least, you're going over the technicals. Technicals make sense. And we'll get into what technicals are for those of you that aren't too familiar and what fundamentals mean. But it was pretty unclear what fundamentals even existed in some of these cryptocurrencies. Like, is that even a thing? <laughs> is there a fundamental aspect to it? Because it's not a good translation from the traditional finance world and uh, a corporate underlying business that didn't really translate too well. You're starting to see now some of these, these uh, protocols, currencies, communities, they do have a purpose. But uh, those, uh, those early days, the Wild West, there was uh, not too much clarity on what these were gonna be and what sort of value they brought. And so, yeah, yeah, I definitely looked at things <laughs> kind of skeptical. Yeah, it, it was, um, and I, I still see this, and I still uh, use a uh, an incredulous lens when I'm going through websites and white papers uh, on a, a lot of these projects because I am so used to the early days where it was just hype 
speculation and charts that kind of moved everything or, or a clever name uh, Shiba Inu after Shiba and Doge and like it, 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 they just kind of um, it, we're still seeing that now I would like to think that with regulation you know there's it's a double-edged sword where it it will kill a lot of the fun but it also brings about a lot of safety uh, mitigating the volatility and the scams and the pump and dump coins and projects and stuff like that but I think the NFTs it feels very similar to the early days of crypto where it's just like Hey, here's a JPEG. Here's a bunch of promises. Here's a team of guys who you don't know, but they sound like they have, you know, some kind of credibility. Give yeah. us your money, buy this, and you're going to be a millionaire or a billionaire with just a small investment. But uh, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because yes. I, I agree with you completely. But let, let's pump the brakes a little bit and back up because if some of the things we said are kind of new or, or kind of basic to you, that's fine. I mean, there's such a wide audience. Uh, everyone has a different existing knowledge on a lot of these topics. And some of it are honestly the terms of art. So you may think that you have an idea what they mean, but they may mean something different in a different context. And so I think that's kind of what we want to get into here. We have a lot of friends that we'll have conversations with and we'll be have to like echo some of our conversations. We have some friends that are just brilliant at this stuff and really in the weeds and we're constantly learning from them. And so this acts as... I don't know, like a, a time capsule, a way for us to share our conversations. So let's let's back up a little bit and let's just sort of talk about the big picture of what all these things are, what some of the subcomponents are, and then we can get into these little more nuanced conversations that we're, we're starting to already get into. So Casey, do you want to talk a little bit about big picture? Like what is Web3? What, like just some of these big terms, like what this stuff is? Yeah, so, so Web3, as I understand it, um, you know, Web Web 1.0 was something that came about, you know, decades ago, arguably like when the, the Internet first started and very basic uh, relationships and interactions could be established. Um, sending emails, putting up a website. Web 2, uh, as I, I believe it, is where there were more transactions uh, we saw social media accounts coming out and it um, just increased the depth at which you can engage with and through the internet now web 3 is again going to expand upon that so if you could imagine you know how easy it is right now to set up your own website via shopify amazon wix squarespace and all those and, and start you know really engaging at a deeper level than just a user you can actually be a merchant or have a business on that that's more of like a, a web 2 kind of web 2.0 kind of um uh advent or, or bring about mm -hmm. whereas web 3 now is going to get even more immersive that's where we are going to see the internet and human beings engaging with not only the internet of things which would be you know smart devices you know your amazon your uh, alexa devices siri and all that jazz but then also more immersive stuff where you're going to be having ar and vr so imagine how you know there are a lot of businesses maybe in the 90s who couldn't understand why their business would need a website like why would a seamstress need a website it doesn't make any sense they they couldn't wrap their minds around it now it adds a lot of credibility and 
uh, allows you to find a lot more clients. I think there's going to be that same transition where there's going to be some brands that don't understand why they should participate or have a presence in the metaverse or have uh, augmented reality incorporated with their brand presence or the website or virtual reality. And uh, along with that is going to be coming uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain specifically, which is really the backbone that cryptocurrency and tokens and utilities and smart contracts and NFTs and all that fun stuff. Just heard a car whiz by. Yeah, that, that's over here. So um, that just, just a side note, I, I'm in Charlottesville right now. So Casey and I, we're both Florida boys. Uh, we're, we, we met in Palm Beach County. We, we both have spent most of our t- adult lives in Palm Beach County, but I'm up in Charlottesville, like I said, finishing up my last semester of law school. And Casey's down in Palm Beach. Where are you in Boca right now? I'm in Boca right now. Boca yeah. Raton, as, as, as people who aren't familiar. If you're, if you're from here, you know it's Boca Raton. Boca Raton. But uh, yeah, so I got the window open. It's, uh, Take it from there. What, uh, what, what I miss, what I get wrong. No, what, no, no. So, so the way I kind of think of like the Web 2, Web 1, Web 3. So Web 1 was like read only. So going back to the internet, this was when you would just go on the internet and just be like a page. You couldn't do anything. Like you couldn't really interact with it. It just said something. This yeah. is like the early days, but if, if you're like Casey and, and, and my age, where you would go like some random websites existed and not a lot of companies had them because it didn't make sense or they felt the need to just put like one web page out that said, Burger King, we sell burgers. Like, <laughs> All right, cool. And so that's like web one. It was very, very unilateral. You were just seeing something. And then web two is when things sort of ramped up. And that's sort of the internet that we all have known. This is where there was a little bit more interaction. Like you could add stuff, so you could blog, you could interact with with a website. Uh, apps even existed, so you have this internet, but you still had these this ownership from some third party. And so, really, there was like just a handful of companies that owned owned the internet: Google, uh, Facebook, some of these big intermediaries that you had to use in order to interact and use this. It was a huge, huge advancement. Like way different than just a website. Like you can set up your own app. You still had to go through Apple. You still had to use some of the existing in, uh, infrastructure, but you now had a little bit more say. You had a little bit more control, a little more involvement, a lot more opportunity. And this is that era of internet that's existed for basically the last like two decades. Web three now is taking it to this next level where you have even more ownership. Uh, you can read, you can write, and you can own it. And this is where the blockchain really unlocked this because it allows a way for individuals to connect with each other outside of some, some third-party intermediary controlling the doors to let you in and out of everything. You are able now to work one-on-one with people and create this, this like network of nodes that overlap so you can just sort of speak with, from each other, bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around, making a big enough structure that you can reach everyone instead of having to rely on these like massive nodes of control that these like Google or whoever it was, AOL, to go through to connect to each other. So like that to me is the big advancement that we're seeing right now. You have instead of one gatekeeper, or just a few like, major gatekeepers across the world, you have these millions of gates around that create this network to connect people. So like that that that's in a nutshell what Web three is in my yeah, mind. I, I feel um, I, I was I was thinking while you're talking um, because anything beats paying attention to you um, that 
uh, it's almost loosely analogous to dimensions. Web 1.0 was like a one-dimensional uh, interaction. You know, you go left or right. Web 2.0 uh, would be, you know, adding some more dimension to it. Now I, I have an account where instead of just going and reading a blog, now I can log into something or now I can start creating that. And then Web 3 would be like the third dimension in it. And it, it really um, aligns with the analogy when you consider the, immerse, the immersive potential of AR and VR and metaverses and things like that. So that never thought about this before, but Web 4.0, I'm assuming is going to be the singularity where we now we now combine, we, we upload our consciousness, maybe with some Neuralink. So now they become one. And now there's like, we, we, we get beyond the three dimensions in time. And now we're just this, this uh, immortal algorithm of our personalities. <laughs> yeah. yeah, way to simplify things, Casey, there. Yeah, you, you really did a good job of just making things easy. Let's just take you to the next knot and so, talk about... Change of course off the hip. Let's just go into Web 4.0 stuff. I mean, everyone's already talking about Web 3.0. Let's a differentiator. Let's go right to Web 4.0. Just kidding. Flag in the ground. It's ours. Yes. That belongs to us. Changing um, the name of the podcast and everything. We don't have a name yet, so that works out good. Yeah, so, so that's basically like Web 3, right? And Web 3 is what allows a lot of these things. But within Web 3, and you're talking about this, Casey, but you know, I want to talk about it too. You have these different things, these different buzzwords. And so meta is kind of one. I don't really know why it's in Web3. Maybe we'll figure that out a little bit more. Uh, I think because it utilizes a lot of the other aspects of it. But the meta, metaverse, you know, Facebook recently pivoted their image to metaverse, which I can go down a rabbit hole. I've, I've done a lot of individual research on that. But we'll get enough, into that. Enough to do its own episode? That would be a good rabbit hole. Because I know no, the that, way you definitely, research. Definitely. I, I, I got to commend Metamucil for being way ahead of the trend. I mean, that's ah. like, it's like Century 21. When they, when they picked that name, it's just like. <laughs> they knew. They, they knew, knew we were going we were gonna to live long enough for it to see the day. And that their business model was going to be that resilient to, way to better than Way better than 20th Century Fox. I don't know what they were thinking. It's amazing. Force Heavy them. Meta brought to you by Metamucil. Metamucil. We're coming for you, and you're coming for us, and we'll all day be together sometime soon. Coming. Coming. So meta, the metaverse, yeah, that's, that's one of the big things that we're hearing a lot of, and we'll get into some of the aspects of that. Um, other than that, you have this DeFi world. DeFi stands for Decentralized Finance. And what that basically means, to be very quick, you had centralized finance, now you have decentralized finance. Centralized was just like the internet was. You had these big gatekeepers. So centralized finance, you have banks. Yeah. You, have, uh, you have big federal banks. You have big national banks, state banks. You have these big intermediaries that you had to go through in order to just transact money. If I wanted to, to give Casey money and I wasn't around to give him cash, I would even if I had to go to PayPal, I would go through PayPal it seems simple, but it's actually like pinging the bank and getting this approval and then going here and wiring the money to Venmo. And then there's this certain period of time that has to wait. It's very complex. So there's a centralized person or entity that's coordinating that. Well, DeFi decentralizes it. And so it's using this Web3 infrastructure so him and I can connect 
if not directly, with a very, very limited amount of intermediaries. And so that's DeFi, which encompasses so much. That's probably going to be a lot of what we talk about. And, and, and the benefit of that is the most important benefit that I see in decentralized financing is, um, it, remember where you were going with that, because I, I know I cut you off, but the, the amount of money that you, you as a person are able to not only save in fees when you're the recipient of a loan, but also the amount of money that you're now able to receive by being the person who's lending the money by contributing to a lending pool or staking and, and providing some liquidity. If you think about it, like if, if I put my money in a bank account, that bank is going to use uh, many times and Don, John can be you know more intellectual with his uh, de description of it, but they'll use leverage finance. So for every dollar that I put in, they're able to now lend out multiple dollars. Let's say they, they can lend $10 for every dollar that I put in. Now, when they lend that money out, they're charging a nice interest rate. Like if you go to get a loan, let's say they're gonna charge you 10% if you have decent credit and it's, it's a reasonable loan and whatever else. So they're using your money to lend out on leverage to somebody else who they're gonna charge 10%. How much do you think you're going to make for providing that liquidity? It might be a fraction of a percentage. So they are making by far the lion's share. Like a, a lot of um, investment vehicles, unless there's some risk associated with them, and again, John, correct me on this, but a lot of them don't even outpace inflation. So like if you put your money in a CD, you're, I believe you'd still be losing money because in, inflation is more so, aggressive than... Yeah, yeah. So I, you're way more critical of the banking industry than I am. Um, I think that they serve actually a, a really useful purpose. And a lot of the fees that they charge are risk-based. So, it, you know, they're not really raking in that much. But it's for the fat on a, cats. It's but for on, the an, fat on an aggregate, yes, there's a lot of money there. And just like any technology, any innovation the the reduction of intermediaries is going to create more efficiencies and so less i think little, less middleman less less middleman i mean you know who, who's not on the take there in the middle yeah. i banks i I'm, I'm a big bank fan but as we're seeing as technologies come about when you can reduce some of these these intermediaries these these big nodes that you had to go through it's going to make things a lot more efficient there's there's going to be a, a lot more opportunities unlocked uh, speed is probably going to be one of the biggest things and expense from consumer to endpoint. Yes. Like, like the overall expense to, to go from a to X, I don't know why I didn't go to Z, but a to X is going to be a lot cheaper and a lot faster in the future today than it was yesterday or, or a decade ago, just because there's less roadblocks in the way. And, and these, these roadblocks, these middlemen, they were necessary because before you had the technology of blockchain, which provides transpa transparency and the, the whole ledger, and we'll get into this yeah, more, so, but it, it makes it so you, there's, not, there's not as much guessing. There's not like, oh, does he have the money in his account? Is he good for it? You know, which is what a bank and all those middlemen would have to do to, to yeah. ensure that there wasn't that a scam going on. And that's part of what your expenses were, right? Like you had this tremendous amount of risk because there was just this this opacity to see who was on the other end of these transactions and to make sure that you had the right amount of people in between, to make sure they were doing the right thing. And so there was a lot of uh, double layers of, of uh, insurance to make sure that things got done because you couldn't automate it. It was people involved. It was potential adverse negative actors involved. And so, yeah, there, there is a lot of things that no longer are needed. 
but a lot of that um, was good and you know a lot of it is still going to be around this is a huge issue right now because you have a lot of regulation that's based on this old model of these things existing and it's tough for regulators to wrap their head around this new world that doesn't have individual actors um, all stuff we're going to dive into but you yeah. just brought up just blockchain in general so blockchain is really important it's a it's a big aspect of web3 and all these things able to do what they're doing do you want to talk about kind of blockchain and, and what it means from a big picture yeah and, and i'll try to be brief um because i i know we're i know we, we were i think we were shooting for a, a relatively short podcast but um if you're still listening hopefully you're learning uh blockchain if you're not familiar the way i look at it is uh, they they often refer to it as a ledger and imagine a ledger of transactions that is replicated on at multiple points and these would be nodes uh, in many instances so these nodes all have a copy of the ledger and the ledger is keeping track of all the transactions now why this is so invaluable and especially from a security and credibility and transparency access uh, aspect is this ledger is able to be something that is public because the accounts, the wallets uh, that are conducting these transactions are relatively anonymous. So you don't know that John Smith sent money to Susie Q, but you know that this wallet sent crypto some kind of coin or had some transaction with this wallet. And that is a public ledger. Then that is also replicated across the nodes. So now if someone tries to create a fake transaction, that is automatically before it is added to the ledger, it is going to be checked to be verified with the other ledgers that are out there. And based on whether or not it passes the sniff test, if it's registered with these other nodes and they're able to match it up and say, yeah, this is a legit transaction, we can add it to the blockchain, then it is going to be adopted and it, and it will be seen as a, a valid transaction. Whereas if it is something that is not validated by any other nodes, and I, I forget the, the term for that validation. I feel like there's a specific term, um, like not cross-validation, but in any case that's how it's working so it's both transparent so everybody's able to see what's going on but since it is relatively anonymous and there are some debates because i'm not going to get into that we can use that for another episode but um for the the idea is it's it's anonymous to an extent that it's secure you don't know who's going on so you're not you know looking into somebody's personal finances or what they're necessarily doing um but this allows these transactions to happen and yeah and, yeah. and what's interesting i mean and they happen so, faster because the verification is basically instantaneous it's happening in on an automated level because it's computers and, and software doing it instead of people having to do this and like if i write you a check before the the check is really validated like someone in some way has to verify from one bank to another that the funds are there that it clears it actually takes days even though you know you write a check i put it in my account i'll get credited for that account actually on the back end they're kind of fronting that money until it's validated i actually worked in a check cashing store i completely forgot about that until i didn't know this yeah it was, it was probably when i was like 18. um so I, I i learned a lot about the background process and how you had to cut and we had some people try to pass some bonus checks um so this 
takes away the need for me trusting you. Now we don't have to trust each other. We can be complete strangers on opposite ends of the world and we can conduct business through this medium that is going to handle all the validation and, and credibility assurances. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's there's some debate on a lot of those points too, like the, the anonym, anonymity of these transactions because since everything is out there, it's all in these public ledgers, you can see when something leaves one wall and goes to another. Yeah. And this is how this big bust the DOJ just brought in of, uh, you know, almost $4 billion in Bitcoin. It's, the, it's the, out there. The alligator of Wall Street or the what was her rap name? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll do a whole episode. We'll, we'll on do that. an episode on that one. That was the whole thing. But yeah, you could so you could see someone's bank account. You can get an idea of the transactions that are going in and out, but I don't necessarily know who it belongs to. However, if uh, Michael Saylor posts on Twitter, hey, I just bought 50,000 Bitcoin. And you look up and find an account that at that same time just bought 50,000 Bitcoin. I think I found Michael Saylor's account, you know? Yeah. And, and also you're seeing right now, uh, if any of you guys are on Twitter or Instagram, but probably more Twitter, you see someone that has like a name .eth. That's an ENS name, which we'll get into. It's kind of like a domain name, but for your your uh, your wallet. I didn't and, bring this up, but I think we, sh- we should get one. We should get like a .eth. Oh, yeah, a definitely. Me- you know, just to be legit. Yeah, heavymeta.eth, just so we can get get some subs. You know, but now we got to get it before we post this, otherwise someone's gonna <sighs> hold yeah, it. They're gonna sit on it. You know how they do. You know how they do. And so that's that's blockchain, and it started really with uh, Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper when he invented Bitcoin, and it was kind of groundbreaking. The idea was just to come up with a new way to transact, a new way to to separate yourselves from some of these federal banks and have a way to connect with each other one-on-one. And it spawned from there. Bitcoin was the OG. Then Ethereum kind of stepped in there. There was a lot of other things going on. And some stuff was built on top of that, which has enabled a lot of these other components of Web3. And so you mentioned smart contracts, which obviously like it's a huge component of it. We'll have to spend probably episode on episode on episode on episode about it. But from that came cryptocurrencies, which are essentially these different things that made a blockchain. They're their own blockchain. And the token became currencies. And that was the big thing. Uh, I mean, I guess it's still a big thing. But that was what everyone knew blockchains for, for you know, what, eight, eight years? Yeah, and I, I think they're in, in a good uh, differentiator or uh, maybe a, a good explanation would be, or note, I should say, would be blockchain is what cryptocurrency is based upon, but they aren't necessarily synonymous. Um, blockchain is is like the technology. It's it's the it's the conduit or it's the train tracks, but it's not the train. So the the blockchain technology allows for cryptocurrency to exist in in tokens and uh, but also NFTs and DAOs and all these other. And who knows what's going to be coming out in the next few years because of this new technology. It's it's very much like the internet being invented and now all these things that were not possible in 1970 that are now all these business models and all these other experiences and transactions and, and concepts that are now possible because of the internet. Blockchain is going to be equally revolutionary. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a really important concept for it, and it's it is the framework. It's the guide rails for everything. It's uh, you know, it's like the the power grid, and you have electricity. Like there, there's so many different analogies we can use, but it, it's a really important component of it. But the cryptocurrencies became a a big thing because essentially they were the tokens, and I'm sure we'll get into why the tokens existed in blockchains. The difference and between how. coins and tokens, and yeah, we yeah. we got so much planned for you guys, and. I, I think like you were mentioning before that there are some people, um, it sounded like you were saying something to the likes of, there are people who they may know a lot about a certain thing, but there are so many new things that are related and they will have an intimate engagement with these technologies and there's going to be opportunities and all sorts of speculation that will come from knowing a little bit more. So you might know a lot about cryptocurrency. That's been around for a while, but we're also going to be getting into NFTs and more than just expensive JPEGs and utilitarian purposes and smart yeah, contracts yeah. and DAOs and all that other stuff. So this would be good, even if you're familiar, or you feel you're familiar with this, um, because we will be offering our perspectives and we're going to be gathering information from other sources. But also if you're brand new, that's really who this is perfect for, because we will be able to take it from an elementary level to a, a level where you're at, at least going to feel comfortable not only engaging in a conversation about these topics, but also even starting a conversation about these topics because so many people know so little, you'll be the one who'll be their source of information. Yeah. And like we said, we're just normal people that just want to talk about this. Yeah. There, there's some great people that already do really in-depth conversations and highly recommend all of them, uh, specifically like from the law standpoint alone, which there's probably maybe 3% of listeners are going to even be interested in that. But like Gabriel Shapiro, Aaron Wright, um, Marco Centauri, there's even some good like law students that are really in this space. I know Jacob Robinson, he's really active. He has the Law of Code podcast, super interesting. Uh, on, on Twitter, there's tons of great people that are just sort of doing what we're doing, like learning in public. One of the guys that I really modeled this after, and part of the reason I was excited to do this when Casey brought it up, this guy, Fintech Junkie. He, uh, he has a Twitter handle and he's, he's a fintech guy, but he didn't have any Web3 experience. And so he's just been diving in and he's been learning out loud and really collaborative with this whole community. And that's the nice thing about Web3 is a big community. What's his, uh, what's his Twitter handle really quick? It, it's fintech junkie. Um, oh, I thought that was his Christian name. Never mind. Continue. <laughs> His, his real name is Frank Rotman. So he is, uh, he's one of the QED guys. QED is a big fintech uh, VC firm. So he's one of the, the early founders on it. He actually went to UVA. He, he worked at Capital One, which was here in Virginia. And Capital One was run by this guy named Nigel Morris. And he's, again, fintech guy. He, Nigel Morris went to LBS. Oh, nice. Look, look at yeah. all these connections with yeah, the yeah, alma maters. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Nigel Morris is an LBS guy. I actually was chatting with him um, you know, a couple months ago, he was he was over here. He was doing a little talk with Mike Lincoln, who's the, the vice chairman of Cooley. Cooley's a big tech law firm that's really involved in this space. But Not this to Frank be confused guy, with Hooli, Hooli from yeah. Silicon Valley. Uh, night and day. So F Frank, fintech junkie, he's doing on Twitter this just learning out loud thing. And he's learning um, basically what we want to do. And it's really great because like all goals, doing it in public keeps you honest. Mm -hmm. and you make sure you're doing the work since you're putting it out there and it allows you to get feedback very quickly. So even though we're putting stuff out there, like we, we don't really know very much outside of what we're diving into. And so there could be a lot of blind spots we have. And what's great in doing this and just getting it out there is that we create a community 
we have a bit more voices that can hear what we're saying and then also bring those voices in. And we can just, just make a megaphone out of that and just get that information out there. And once it's out there, it's leveraged. And people can stand on our shoulders and everyone can have this information and we can learn and grow with each other. So that's just something I'm excited about with this. It's basically what you're saying, but I just wanted to say it too. But just to, just to uh, go full circle here real quick, cryptocurrencies, they're like a traded thing and they're something that people can invest in, you can speculate in, you can try to just be a part of a, a tribe for it because you like the community. You can think that it, it, it has really good underlying roots so it can solve a problem. There's a lot of cool things there. It's probably how most people started to hear about this, but we can move on from that since we'll get a little more specifics about it. And a couple of the other issues we'll talk about, but Casey, you wanna jump in real quick. Yeah, another, another uh, just got another uh, podcast name suggestion is uh, Decentralized Podcast. Because probably still going to go with heavy meta because it's just so cool. But, I like it. But, but um, we do want to, and we've discussed uh, different projects that we can do that will engage you as audiences. Um, then also another thing I wanted to know is, as John mentioned, we've got connections in and around either these direct industries or something else that would be very related to that industry. Someone who's been in banking for 30 years, for instance, even though they might not be a crypto guru, they're going to have a very interesting perspective. So we do not want to, you know, be the only mouthpieces for this on this podcast. We are going to bring in guests and uh, we would love to have your engagement, not only as listeners, but asking questions, connecting with us with people or making suggestions on who you think we should bring on as guests, um, as, as well as we've got an idea for at least, we've got a, a few ideas for projects to engage the audience with and make you guys a part of what we're doing here. One of which is going to be a DAO. And we've come up with a couple of different ways to go about it and i'll just mention it. it's probably very premature because it's not a fully baked idea but we also want your con contribution to help you know hopefully helping us shape what this dao is going to be and to explain a dao very briefly you want to jump in and we're, we'll, we'll have I'm, a I'm, whole another episode or maybe multiple on that but yeah i'm glad you brought that up so dao is another term that's getting thrown around just about everything's three letters so if, yeah. if you want to think what's web three think of three letters yeah that's a web three thing a DAO is so it's D A D A O, not D O W, not not DAO like stocks. Yes, yeah, it's D A O. And what's that stand and, for? Uh, decentralized autonomous organizations. So it sounds like some crazy set, uh, like I don't know, self-driving robot or something like that. It, it's not. All it is is a way for an organization. So for better or worse, a corporation, a company, like it doesn't actually have to be a corporation, but uh, a group of people coming together to do something. And it's decentralized because you don't have any singular person or group of people making decisions. The idea is that everyone can get involved by voting, essentially, without having to rely on one person to do the thing you're voting for. And it's autonomous, again, because you don't need any one person in charge. So what it does is it takes a blockchain, most of the time it's Ethereum, but it, it can be a lot of these other ones that you build it on top of and you build a smart contract and you program in the things you want it to do. So instead of a, a company saying, we will invest in uh, the, the 50 largest companies when any of them are below their 50-day uh, moving average by 20%. Like you can just program that. <laughs> you don't need someone to do it. 
And so you just write a bunch of lines of code to say, you know, if X, then Y, if Y, then Z. And everyone agrees to it. Everyone puts in something. Everyone gets a little say if, you know, there's something that they didn't think of happens that they can vote for a, a different rule. And it just sort of runs by itself. And so that's a DAO in a nutshell. And, and they can theoretically, I mean, I think the purpose behind it shows it's more than three theoretically, but they can change the um, uh, objective. You know, it's a, it's a collective of people around an objective and that objective could in theory change based on the votes of the people who are involved in the DAO. And it's, it's very much like, tell me the, the differences and similarities between getting into a DAO versus being a shareholder in a company. So they can be the same. That's sort of the beauty about it. it. It doesn't have to be something separate from a DAO. And there's there's a lot of debate on do things even need to be a DAO? Because a lot of the, the goals that people have for them and the uses are essentially a partnership or a, a corporation or something like that. So like there's there's the legal separation, there's the technology uses, but some of the things you can do in a DAO that aren't necessarily possible in traditional corporate structures is that ability to not have to rely on a person or group of people to make the decision. It's There's unlimited trust. You don't have to, to, to trust a guy or a girl to do something because it's just gonna happen, it's programmed in. So everyone can see it, everyone can make sure it happens, everyone can have a say if they wanna change what happens, but you don't have to rely on some potential corrupt board member or CEO or manager to be making decision and, you know, grifting you or anything like that. So that's, that's probably like the coolest thing that stands alone from it. And you can just set it and forget it. Yeah. I, th I think it's going to be very disruptive, um, f towards, I think there's going to be a lot of companies who elect to go with a Dow model instead of the traditional listing on a stock exchange for a lot of those reasons. I think there's going to be some organizations that, wouldn't be successful any other way. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very intriguing and exciting, you know, myriad of potentials. But again, it's going to be inherently, the, the, the landscape is going to be inherently landmine with speculation and hype. And it's going to be something that's definitely going to require some, uh, thought and navigation because it's very exciting right now. And with excitement comes people rushing in, take my money. I want to be, you know, the next billionaire on, you know, a small invest from a small investment. Um, so we, we are going to do our best at not only explaining what DAOs are, what to look for, why they're important, where they are and aren't necessary, but also maybe some specific pro uh, projects that we're interested in, that we're optimistic on, as well as like I mentioned before, do our own and uh, involve you guys in on it. Oh yeah, we're definitely gonna set up quite a few DAOs as structures, like even Casey and I are just basically gonna, uh, to run this through a DAO and we'll have this DAO and that DAO, just just again, learning out loud. Like it's something I'm really excited about. I'm like, I, I'm just diving in in the deep end of the DAO world and Aaron Wright, really influential guy involved in this space. Uh, you know, I'd love to have a conversation with him at some point. But the, uh, the Flamingo DAO, which is a really cool DAO that is investing in a lot of these NFTs, and this is going to be my segue to NFTs, but there's some really cool DAOs out there, and you're definitely going to get a lot of conversation on it. But into NFTs, Casey, what's an NFT? Oh, NFT. oh wait, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. I also really like the potential title for this show to be WFT is an NFT or WFT 
Web three. Yeah, I I had a uh, uh, I had um, some titles for episodes that were using that WFT is an NFT W, but I feel like I feel like for a podcast it might be too specific. I do like the 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 breadth of WFT is Web three because it kind of rhymes and then it also it opens on. it up to all this kind of stuff. So. I think I think a, a large portion of our podcast is going to be forever second guessing whatever names we are working with. Maybe we'll just like change names every so often, every season. Yeah, it's good for branding. Good, All right, good Casey, good what, what what is an NFT? NFT uh, again, a nice little three letter acronym, uh, or is it an abbreviation? Is it an acronym? What, what is it when it's a, a letters that mean a that that are pronounced as a word? That's an acronym. An abbreviation is just the okay. Letters. So it's an abbreviation. Um, so, uh, it stands for non-fungible tokens. So again, based on blockchain, it, the way I look at it is NFT starts merging where cryptocurrency merged, uh, currency and the blockchain NFT, uh, and correct me or add your input would be taking things, items, assets that aren't currency but still either have some type of value or would benefit from some sort of authentication and bringing that to the blockchain some of the first projects i heard about that really intrigued me um and they really intrigued me because and i still have so many questions on them i think it'd be good to get um, somebody who works with nfts and i know some projects are out there they have nfts that validate the authenticity of memorabilia sports memorabilia collectibles autograph things as well as you know vintage wines and, and stuff like that and i thought that was very intriguing because you're taking this intangible very tech thing that's very new and then the very subjective very tangible um and very old uh, uh industry or arena of collectibles be it you know wine and you know like i said sports memorabilia and those type of things and it's a way to validate but then people obviously know nfts now most popular uh, the most popular thought when you mention nft is going to be you know a jpeg a very simple image that's going for squillions of dollars and uh take it from there what what, what are you yeah. what do you have to add to that yeah, i could go so, on so- but i want to hear your take so an NFT doesn't even have to represent a thing. Like all it is is a non-fungible token. So it's just one. So instead of a, a cryptocurrency being one of many, you know, a fungible token, it's it's not. It's itself. It's just one thing. And that's why it lends itself really well to identifying assets, collectibles, anything like that, because you can say it's that one. It's 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 like a serial number. Like that's it. Like a Versus title. We, we like, discussed a project of, you know, taking the title to your house and converting it to an NFT. And we'll, yeah, we'll ex- do maybe in a whole episode on that because there's a lot of interesting things that you could do uh, once you exactly. do that. It, but, it's, a, it's an individual identifier, like a social security number, like a title. Like it, it's just something that makes sure that this is one thing by itself. And it uses the blockchain technology to verify that, which is the beauty of it, because it can be counterfeit. It, it can't be corrupted. You have one thing one thing only and you know forever that that's that one thing no one else can say no 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 i have the real thing and that's why like yeah it's a jpeg and everyone's like oh you can just right click it and like yeah you're not getting it for the photo like no one no one really cares about the photo you're yeah. getting it because of the scarcity you know like gold yeah. shiny like you can make 
false gold or fake gold, whatever it is, and make it shiny too. But it's not real gold. You're getting it or, because or the it's Mona, Mona Lisa. Like there, there's there's plenty of posters of the Mona Lisa and digital images of the Mona Lisa and replicas. And but the the Mona Lisa that is hanging in the Louvre is the Louvre is a. Uh, at least we we hope that's that's the one that's the legit one so there's a completely different spectrum of value across all those replicas versus the one the original so yeah you could have a copy a screenshot a right click you know save but the ability to then verify that image on the blockchain and that it is registered as the legit Thing. And it, it could be a one, but it could also be a limited supply. It could be one of a hundred, but knowing that there is only a hundred of these images or yeah. only a thousand of these images, they might all be identical, but there's a lot of artists like uh, Kandinsky and a lot of artists do multiple prints. So it's an identical image, but you'll see in the corner, it'll be one of a hundred, one of 150, one of a thousand or whatever, two of a thousand, three of a thousand. There's a limited amount and it kind of... So it doesn't have to be completely unique, but there is a limited capacity of that asset. And again, I think the, the biggest differentiator between cryptocurrencies and NFTs is that it's it's something that would be, I, I think asset would be an encapsulating term. You think a better, of a better term? Well, um, a better term, um, it's a collection. So I, I call them more collections because they don't necessarily have, you know, an appreciation. They don't have a lot of the definitions of an asset. I mean, you can talk, you can yeah, say I an asset. By, like, by I'm being like a little hyper technical with this. A thing, like a better word than just a thing. Whereas cryptocurrency is the, the blockchain's relationship with money or currency. The, the NFT is the, it's a thing that's not a money. It's not meant to be necessarily transactional like currencies are. Um, could have utilitarian purposes, maybe not. I mean, we can get into that with some of the projects that are out there, like the Board yeah. Ape Club and everything. But it, it, well, you mentioned Board Ape Club, and you were just talking about this like limited run. The thing about an NFT is it does identify one individual thing by itself, but with that, that individual thing can be part of a larger collection. Yes. So, like you said, you can have a collection that says like you know one of a thousand, two of a thousand, three of a thousand. Well, that that little number is what makes it unique. It, it's not yeah. a, an exact replica. It is in itself one of those. those it's a unique items. registry the, or serial number or whatever it, else. It, exactly in the greater collection. So that's why it's non fungible because it is standalone by itself, identifiable. You know that one is that one, and then number two is number two, and number three is number three, and no one can sit there and say, well, no, mine's mine and mine's yours. They're not completely interchangeable where cryptocurrencies are legit interchangeable one bitcoin is one bitcoin is one bitcoin is one bitcoin there's there's no one that says like you know i have this bitcoin there, there's no tangible unique separate element and what makes the nft technology very applicable to this usage is because you know arts like people like the the rarity of the scarcity and the, the individualness of it even though it's in a greater collection so board ape yacht club we'll get into all this stuff it's essentially one of these collections but it's what's known as a PFP. It's a profile photo. And you, you guys are on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're on uh, Truth. <laughs> Getter. Yeah, Getter. You're on all the hot new, the best. You know, the best of the best of the best of the social medias. And you see that little photo. I know Twitter right now is like really adopting the NFT PFP. Again, PFP, profile photo. That a lot of people are using an NFT for. 
all it, it does is signal like you're part of this tribe and it's another use case for the NFT. It's not the end all be all for NFTs. There's tons of other really cool uses for it, but it's this first iteration. Beeple was another one that got a lot of attention in the last, I don't know, was it six months? Maybe a little longer. He, he essentially made digital art, went out and just created a new artwork every single day. And he, once sort of this NFT technology became a thing and we'll get into some of the cool specifics why it's really neat for artists but also other uses he adopted it he put his art on it and it represented then that artwork and the ownership of that individual artwork and made huge huge news when he finished uh essentially like a year's worth of his work and sold it for what was it like 70 million dollars i think christie's? it was six, 69 million dollars yeah through was it christie's or sotheby's one of those really expensive auction yeah, one places. of the bees and um there's a there's a great uh joe rogan episode joe rogan had beeple on that's not his real name that's his that's his artist uh pseudonym or nom de plume um and uh i took french and uh <laughs> He, you were, you're right. For for years, he, he explained in the Joe Rogan episode that he started getting in, um, and this is not his artwork. Is he does a mixture of um, static images, but also some gifs and video. But he does uh, GIFs. digital gif. It's graphic. I don't what care what the it's it's a gif. G stands for graphic. Why would it be GIF? That's a J. I don't sound. care what it stands for. You don't have to pronounce it. Oh my god! Again, See, abbreviations. This, this is the or value, acronyms. This is the value you get from these different perspectives. Um, it was five thousand so, days. Sorry, sorry. I just want to correct myself. It wasn't a year. It was his first five thousand consecutive days of artwork. Yeah, and this guy would do a, a, literally, and you should look at this artwork that he did because it is very impressive that he would do this every single day and without fail. And he explained in the Joe Rogan episode that his cutoff was midnight. If it wasn't done by midnight, he just posted what was done. Um, and he just, he had a, a following already from his daily images that he was doing. Um, of course it, it had to be midnight. Like otherwise it'd be a, a new day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it, it was, it was very interesting to hear the story and how he had the following. And then some, one of his followers said, Hey, Here's NFTs. And within six months of him going from not knowing what the hell an NFT was, within six months, he sold one of his works of art, which arguably arguably was an amalgamation of 5,000 of his works of art. It's a rib yeah. For a, uh, a hefty $69 million bid. And that made NFTs pop up on a lot of radars. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, I think what got a lot of people's attention and, and sort of outraged a lot of people too, because one, it's like digital art. There's tons of graphic designers out there that do amazing things that just put it out for free. Honestly, this stuff reminded me of like Trapper Keeper art. You remember when you have a yeah, Trapper Keeper? Yeah, and you have like a really folder. aggressive, abstract yeah. kind of. Yeah. And, and he even says that like uh, the, the stuff that his art that he makes isn't from scratch. Like a lot of it, he uses um, pre-existing 3D models that people have put up on a so he's making these 3d images or it'll be you know like i said before a gif gif um, where it'll be a short video he's done videos for uh 
music artists and, and things like that where it's just crazy computer graphic kind of stuff but he, he even says like a lot of it is something that somebody else did and he's just combining you know this digital baby body that someone already created and programmed and it's it's got certain you know uh movements that it makes and he could put those movements in a loop so he's got this baby body walking makes it a giant puts it over a uh a terrain that's already created by somebody else, or maybe he throws yeah. that together. He adds some things here and there. He's combining stuff, but that's what I don't know how to do it. So it's still very impressive to me, but what probably is a slap in the face of a lot of people who feel like they're these hardworking, legit artists and, and discredit, you know, the digital artists is like, he did combine a lot of pre-existing stuff. He bought the rights for it. So it's not copywriting or anything, but he bought these yeah. 3d models, combined the images and, I mean, it still takes like some creative creativity. Yeah. Some of that stuff is crazy. And I, I suggest you check out Beeple and his art. It is nuts. This is the debate over art. And I guess we can have that conversation. Obviously not now, but we can have it at some point. Art is uh, very contentious on what is worth anything, what is a value, what is high art, what is low art. I mean, his is sort of derivative. But he does have this social commentary that you'll see in a lot of his works have some sort of messaging. Uh, they do tie together sort of this this zeitgeist and present some sort of message, which is what kind of art does. And which is why a lot of art has value because it, it captures a moment and tells a story, uh, regardless of the means, regardless of how in depth, how much time it took, as long as there's some sort of response elicited, it's art, uh, in, in my mind, but yeah. that NFTs made such a great vehicle for that. And it, you know, being an early adopter for something, you don't have to be the best at it. You don't even have to be the first ones, but you just have to be at the, the front of the wave so you can catch it. And you have to be able to just stand long enough in order to like actually ride the whole thing. And, and Beeple was one of the first people to really do that successfully. Got a lot of people's attention, made people kind of outraged that a, a JPEG could sell for that much. Uh, but JPEGs don't have to be the end all be all. And this is something we'll get into the NFTs because they apply to so many different cool, cool uses. Chris Dixon, who... Really cool guy. He's at Andreessen Horowitz. I heard this phrase first from him, but I'm sure it's like everywhere. Skewmorphic. And what it means is you're essentially taking something that you already know and you're using a new technology. And there's so many different ways you can use it, but you can only do the thing you already know on that new technology. So like uh, a digital photo and NFTs are kind of skewmorphic because it's something you already know. Like, all right, here's art. Let's use this new technology for it. Like another example is, I think the simplest way to, to make that, that word make sense is on an iPhone, you have the calculator. Well, the calculator is set up the way like old traditional calculators are set up. They don't have to be. It may not even be the most intuitive way to do it, but it's just the way we know to do it. And so skeuomorphic. Is, and so is, I think- How is that, is that spelled? Is that spelled like skew, like S-K-U, like in retail where you're registering no, items I, in a SKU I, for inventory? Or is it like skew like to-, to obfuscate or uh, S K E U. Okay. Oh, so the latter S K E U O. That's how you spell skew. And this is a perfect segue okay. because I think this is something we'll probably be doing a lot of is coming up with some of the terms that we've discovered or we've heard, or, you know, other people have heard kind of defining them, putting a little context behind them. These are terms of art. Uh, law there's this thing called terms of art for these like words that you think you know but you have no idea 
it took me a while to realize that some of the words I thought I knew were being used in a completely different way. And so I think that's a, something that we will really focus on bringing up what some of these words are, what some of these words mean, and trying to simplify them a little bit. And, and by the way, a little off topic, but we might just uh, think out loud for and, and, and give you a business idea or, oh, or I mean, I feel like every conversation we have, we probably have one to three business ideas that come up that we just release. If you do get a business idea from us and you run with it, all we ask is, you know, just a, just a little piece. Yeah. Just, just wet our beak piece. a little bit, you know, just, yeah. just, just something to wet the beak. You just, We'd be super just, appreciative. Just crumbs. You know, just if we're, if we're going to be your muse and we're going through the work and making the podcast and all this fun stuff, you know, we just want some, some muse credit, you know, just, just to wet the beak. That's what the Dow's are for, baby. Yeah. Just the Vig. What's the, the Vig? Vig? What's the Vig? Who's who versus? If if you are familiar with It's Always Sunny and uh, Silicon Valley and old school uh, Conan Brothers, uh, it, it, that that kind of that kind of material, you, you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of our, our our little inside subtle jokes. If not, no problem. We're still charming, charismatic. If not, you're going to think we come up with really good one-liners. Yeah, so maybe it's better that you don't look into any of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's basically NFTs. Again, we'll get a little bit more into some of the cool uses for it. A lot of these things, NFTs, DAOs, cryptocurrencies, they they are facing this curse of skeuomorphism. They're facing this curse of people applying pre-existing models to them. Uh, DeFi especially, like, you know, a bank doesn't have to look like a bank. There could be better ways to transact. But we, in our mind, can only think of things a certain way. Back in the day when you thought of self-driving cars, they literally put robots in a steering wheel in the driver's seat, and that was a self-driving car. Like, it's, it's how we knew cars drove. But there's obviously better ways. And so a lot of these first iterations are coming up the way they are because it's the only way we can think to apply it. But there's tons of really cool uses for it. And kind of like Casey and I were just saying, we're going to probably think of some of them and there's going to be so many cool ones. And some of them are going to be business ideas. Some of them are probably really crappy business ideas, but they're really cool to think about. And that's probably going to be some of the fun points that we're relying on uh, this podcast helping us do just brainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, I mean, I think uh, we don't have uh, uh, lofty ambitions or very well-defined goals with us other than to, have fun, share some knowledge, uh, learn out loud, as, as you mentioned. And um, I think uh, we're organically starting to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that pretty much covers this first episode. Appreciate you guys hanging on this long. And again, we can't reiterate enough. We are just normal people in this. We're just learning as we go. We're learning with you guys. So please share information, share something you found, share articles. If there's anything you want us to sort of read through, check out, watch, maybe break down a little bit, learn with you, please share it. This is a community we're trying to get involved in. There's obviously a lot of people that are already in this that people know. We're not those people. We just want to learn like you. So join, and, and, join the fun. And I'd also add that we welcome critiques and constructive criticism. Oh, we'll take any criticism. You could be mean too. We just might take not it. respond to you. But we are, we are here to be become right and accurate not 
because we think that we are infallible. So if there's a different perspective that you have, especially when it comes down to our speculations, if you think there's something we got wrong, something we missed, something we didn't consider, we would love to hear it. Suggestions, feedback, critiques, all that stuff is more than welcome. Again, this is, we are working for you. This is a, uh, this is the, the, the start of our DAO. So the, the control is going to, at the end of the day, be in your hands. In six months, we might get enough people who decide that they don't want, want to hear us talk about sneakers. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But um, there's also probably going to be, check out the show descriptions. We are going to have uh, a link probably to a contact form. And not only do we suggest that you subscribe, but also if you could fill out that contact form, that will also help you stay in the loop with newsletters special announcements. Sometimes we're going to have some information, some things that we're going to share that either will come out through the newsletter before we have a chance to record a podcast. We might not ever record a podcast on it because for whatever reason, or it might be uh, maybe a, a, a time sensitive sign up or NFT giveaway or anything that we're going to blast out in five minutes through a, a newsletter blast compared to sitting down Recording our schedules, recording, editing, and posting, and all that jazz. Just, just sign up. Just give us your information. We're not going to abuse it. You always unsubscribe, but we are going to. Uh, we intend to add value. We have an idea for a newsletter where we truncate information, give you the skinny, give you the links uh, to check out. I guess the fat and uh, chew the fat, but uh, give you a, a nice little synopsis, our perspective, our overview, our intel. And uh, it'll be an amalgamation of a bunch of credible sources. John's laughing at me. Swipe up. Swipe up. Swipe up. Swipe Swipe up. up. Swipe up. Yeah. Use our affiliate link. You know, you can tell Casey this isn't his first rodeo. Casey's done a a podcast or a video, whatever these things are called before. Yeah, he's got, got the got whole it. thing at the end. Like, make sure to subscribe. Like, hit the like button. I have no idea what I'm doing, but uh, Casey, good, good job. What way to make turn this on your alert, alert notifications so you don't miss out on any of our hot new information. <laughs> Give us a thumbs up. Uh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. So, so I think we went a little longer than we want to go on these two, but it, I think it was a good primer. You got to know us. You got to know a little bit about the space. Hopefully, we'll be a little bit more concise going forward, uh, or not. Maybe, maybe you want us to ramble. But maybe I don't maybe. think that's our intention. And it, it, I did get an idea for a working title, Shallow Snips, which are going to be, uh, I think I'm going to chop up some of this information where we talk specifically about a DAO or whatever else. We didn't go into too much detail, but I think, you know, the, the shallow snippets, I like the alliteration. Um, that'll, uh, you know, make a shorter, more palatable and specific episodes as well as, you know, the longer form content. content. We're not going to, we're not going to, have any restrictions unless you know your DAO decides you know what we want 15 minute episodes then we'll stick to 15 minute episodes but until then you know it's like pl- price discovery we're, 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 we're doing time discovery where are we at where are we going where are we going with this yeah um I don't want to step on your toes but I'm not sure how our DAO is actually going to work we'll figure that out I don't know how much we're going to actually have I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I need yeah. to keep saying. Hopefully someone way smarter than us is, is listening and they can uh, they can step in and, and tell us exactly what a good well, idea would be. I meant like how much control and what the DAO is going to have. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the excitement. Kind of, you know, for the people, by the people. That's what you get. Put it in their hands and. 
building so, out loud, learning uh, out loud, thinking out loud. I like a it. True um, meritocracy, I believe, is the term. Idiocracy. Uh, idiocracy. Yes, that's another good movie that you should probably verse yourself in or not. Uh, all right, all right. We're we're definitely rambling this uh, wind down. Let's let's call it. All right, calling it. Bye. Three, two, three. Oh, I wasn't recording. Are you done recording? Are you? <laughs> uh, we get. Let's take it from the top. All right. Welcome. Just kidding. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to make sure you don't forget to check out the information and the links in the show notes. Some of that stuff is going to get you into freebies and raffles and contests and all sorts of other promotions. But also, we've got a private group dedicated to our listeners and our followers. We would love to see you there. Love to see you collaborate, join, and get exclusive content that we are only distributing through these other means. Speaking of distributing through other means, I want to make sure that you're also subscribed to our podcast, our YouTube channel, and again, join that private group so you know everything that we know as soon as we know it.